Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Ron Mars. Uh, Ron Mars is a legendary comic book writer. He is also the newest faculty member at Jacob Kruger Studio, and we're so happy to have him. And so today we're going to be talking about comics. We're going to be talking about comic book writing. We're going to be talking about the links between comic book writing and screenwriting. And um, Ron, I'd love to just start off. So I. I come from a character-driven, you know, indie film and television background. Um, so for me, comics are, are a, a, a territory that's relatively new. And at the same time, I see, you know, in our industry, there's this incredible overlap that's happening now where comics are feeding movies and movies are feeding comics and those two industries are kind of dovetailing together. So. If I'm a new screenwriter and I'm just coming to comic book writing for the first time, what are the things that I want to be thinking about? Um, screenwriting and comics are, or movies and comics really, are really kind of bastard cousins, but they don't, they, they tell the same kind of stories, but they don't tell them the same way. Um, so the, you know, the most obvious difference is, um, you know, movies move. Comics don't. Uh, comics are, are single images um, that tell the story, and really the, the action of comics take place between the panels. Um, the, 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 the story actually takes place in between the panels and the gutters. Um, the, that's the old chestnut of, of you know, your, your mind fills in everything else in a comic. Um, you're, you're given everything in a movie. Um, but ultimately it's all storytelling. So it's, there, are, there are different aspects to the craft that you have to master, but ultimately it's really, it's really character driven, character based storytelling. Um, whether it's, you know, a guy dressed up as a bat jumping off of buildings in Gotham city or, you know, a detective in Los Angeles, uh, in the, you know, in the earlier part of the, part of the century, figuring out a water scam. Um, they're all the same kind of thing. And you can tell, you can tell any kind of story in comics. You can tell any kind of story in film. Um, it's, it's really, you, you have to decide which is the best medium to deliver your story. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things, you know, when you think of movies, I, you think of movies moving. When I think of movies, because I'm a screenwriter, I think about the same thing you're thinking about which is I think that the stories are told in the cuts between my images, right? That, that I'm going to show you this image and I'm going to show you that image. And that in the cut in between, you are going to tell yourself a story. So, you know, I can show you, you know, Ron Mars slams his laptop down, right? And then I can show you Jake's dead body and you know Ron did it. Right. Or or I can show you um, Ron slams his laptop down and then I can show, you know, uh, Jake and Ron at a socially distanced pool party like hanging out. And I know, oh, it looks like they made it up. They made up. And so in those in those gaps, we invite the audience in to tell themselves the story. But I think one of the things that's interesting to me in comics is how compressed those images are, right? In a movie, I get thousands of images to tell my story, 
Yeah, on, in a comic, you, you know, five, six, seven panels on a page and that's it. Um, it's, it, in comics, a lot of it is about the real estate that you have. Um, you have, you know, a finite number of pages. You have a finite number of panels on those pages. Um, so it's, in that sense, there's a lot more structure in a comic than there is in a screenplay. Um, because in a screenplay, you you know, it, unless you're you know, unless you're writing a teleplay where you you know you have a certain number of minutes that you have to hit, um, you really have a there's there's a little bit more wiggle room. In a comic, you know, you're generally working twenty pages, twenty two pages for a single issue, um, whatever your page count is, a hundred pages for a graphic novel, um, and you have to make sure everything fits. So it's really an exercise in structure. Um, both the overall structure of the story into that format, the overall structure of, of the panels onto the page, and then the overall structure of what's in each panel. Um, each panel, as it was explained to me by Jim Starlin, who's the one who taught me to do this, Jim Starlin, creator of Thanos and Drax and Gamora, and you know, kind of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe has morphed into is kind of telling Jim Starlin stories now that they've moved on from the Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko stories. Um, so Jim was the one who taught me how to do this. And uh, the first time we sat down to talk about it, he said, each panel in a comic is a frozen moment in time. And your job as the writer is to figure out what is best shown in that frozen moment. He said, it's, if you know, the, the old school sort of, you know, 35 or 70 millimeter film that actually runs through the film projector. Um, you know, it's 24 frames a second. Um, your job is to pick out those still images from that uh, strip of film and translate them into the comic. Um, the, the difference being that obviously uh, your screen size in film doesn't change. You know, you're, you're looking at the same frame all the time, movie, TV, whatever it is. Uh, in comics, your panels get bigger and smaller, and depending on how you want to direct the reader's eye and how you want to direct the story, um, you have that uh, you have that advantage in comics. You can you can um, you know there's a big image of of uh, Thanos who's going to destroy the Avengers. That's a big image. Uh, the smaller, more personal images are smaller panels on a, on a page. Um, that's really the, the, the huge difference in screenwriting versus comics writing is you have control of that as the writer, or at least you have, uh, you as the writer partnered with your artist have control of that and you figure out um, how to use those tools to, to best convey the story that you want to tell. So when you think about a page of a comic, when you're, when you're writing a page of a comic, what what are you writing? What does it look like? Um, I mean, obviously, this is something you'd cover in depth in your class, but I'm wondering for someone who's just starting out, who, who, who maybe has an idea for a comic or maybe has a screenplay or a novel they want to adapt into a comic or into a graphic novel. What, what goes on the page? How does that get laid out? The, the real, that's the real nuts and bolts of, of what the job is. It's figuring out how to break down your story visually um, into images and then conveying that information to the artist. If you're not an artist, which I am not, I can't draw to save my life, but I can convey to an artist, here's how the page should look. Here's what I want to see on the page. Um, and obviously that's a collaborative process. That's a, 
you know, you and the artist um, are co-authors, really. Um, you as the writer uh, give the artist the blueprint for what they have to do. The artist is the one who actually builds the house from that blueprint. And the artist might change things around. And that's part of the sort of the alchemy of, of comics is hopefully you wind up working with an artist. You wind up with something that neither of you could have done by yourselves. Um, that's, that's where the real, you know, the real gems are uncovered. Um, so that process is for me, um, you, each page has to mean something. Each page in a comic has to move the story forward or reveal something about the character. Each page needs, needs a specific function in the story. Because as I said, you don't have a lot of real estate, you know, 20, yeah. 22 pages a month. Um, it has to be concise. So you have to make sure that each page has a meaning. Each page serves a, serves a purpose and fill a piece of that overall puzzle that you're telling. Um, so what I usually do is, is I figure out what, what the meaning is on each page, what action is going to happen or what reveal is going to happen. Um, just in an outline, you know, page, pages one through 20 down the side of a page. And you you figure that out sort of and move things around and, and you, you find a way to, to fit your story visually into that real estate. Uh, once you have that, and, and that's really a big chunk of the job is that thinking is that, is that I always tell people that, you know, when you're, when you're writing a comic, they're, they're not actually paying you, uh, not actually paying you to type. They're paying you to figure out what goes on the page. Um, it's all, it's all in here. It's not necessarily in here. Um, so, so I figure out what happens on each page and then go back in and break down each page into panels. Um, and sometimes the artist is going to, you know, if you write a five panel page, the artist is going to do it in four panels or the artist is going to do it in six panels. Um, and that's part of that process. That's, and, and I think I always tell writers to be, um, to be amenable to that, to, to, to be, to, to treat your artist as a, as a partner rather than the next guy in the assembly line. Um, so uh, I try to come up with a, with that blueprint of here's what happens in each panel and make sure that each, each panel conveys what's necessary to move the story forward. A, a comic is all about pushing the reader to the next page. So, um, you know, you get to the last panel on that page and you want to have some sort of, some sort of question or cliffhanger that makes the reader turn to the next page. Um, your, your, your page ending panels should ask a question. And the answer to that question lies on the next page or in the next sequence. Um, so it's, um, it's a little bit like putting a puzzle together uh, and every writer does it differently. I mean, I think that's one of the, one of the beauties of, of comics is everybody approaches this slightly differently. Um, there's no one way to do it. Uh, so in the class, you know, I'll show you my way to do it and we'll talk about some other ways to do it. And then everybody sort of finds their own, um, finds their own method that works for them and the artists that they're, that they're going to be working with eventually. Um, it's, it's unlike, um, screenwriting in that there's there's no one format like you you know you write a screenplay or a teleplay it's going to be in the format that it needs to be in 
um, everybody adheres to it. In comics, it's a little more, it's a little looser um, and it's a little more personalized. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is interesting about comics, you know, in, in screenwriting, especially if we're, if we're not studio writers, you know, uh, budget is such a big deal. Um, you know, where uh, if you're an independent filmmaker, you're thinking, okay, you know, I got, I got access to Aunt Sally's farm and, you know, maybe my friend with the bar will let me shoot there. And you're trying to figure out these minimal locations and how am I going to make this beautiful movie on, on this tiny little budget that I'm able to raise. And I think that one of the things that's really interesting about comics is uh, it costs just as much to blow up the whole world as it costs for two characters to be talking to each other. And I think that that's such an interesting, like such a uh, talk about taking the handcuffs off, uh, a, 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 way, a way that we can actually dream as big as we want to dream and not sit around having to wait for a studio to say, yeah, sure, where you could actually hire an artist and make something that is as big or as intimate as you want it to be. Sure. I, the, the only budget you really have is the artist's time. Um, and uh, comics being, you know, to great extent, still a monthly product, time is, time is something that has to be factored in. Although if you're doing a, you know, a graphic novel of 100 or 150 pages, um, that's, a lot, that's a lot more malleable. Um, but in terms of, yeah, you can show, um, you know, you can show Galactus eating the world uh, in a fantastic war comic, just as easily as you can show two people having a cup of coffee in a cafe. Um, yeah. Uh, essentially. I mean, you, you need to, you know, if you give your artist 20 pages of Galactus eating the world, it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, you should give them a breather once in a while. But, but in terms of that, you know, the special effects budget, so to speak, um, it's all the same thing, which to me is one of the, is one of the great beauties of comics because um, that allows you to really, to run with it. Um, that allows you to, um, to literally blow up the world if you want to. Um, it's, uh, you know, the only limit is the imagination of the, the creative team. Um, and the, you know, and the way that you convey that stuff is, um, is, is up to you. I mean, you can, you can show the world blowing up in a, in, you know, excruciating detail with every bit of rubble and debris, or you can just, you know, start that process and then cut to two white pages and everything's gone. Um, obviously, one takes a week to draw and the other one doesn't take any time at all to draw. It's, yeah. it's um, you have those, uh, you have all of those tools at your disposal. And I think that's, that's honestly one of the reasons that I do what I do is that I love that part of the process. I love the, you know, the, to me, the irreplaceable part of the process is when, um, I write something, the, the, the ideas that, were, that existed only in my head um, are now on paper. And then it goes to an artist and the artist makes it real. The artist transforms that into something visual and real. And there's still no way to put a price on that. It's the best thing in the world when the new pages come into your inbox every day. Uh, it's, it's tremendous, especially, you know, especially for those of us who can't draw. Uh, it's like a magic trick. Yeah. Um, one of the things I always talk about with screenwriting, and I would imagine it's true about comics as well, is I always think that screen, screenplays are more like poems than they are like novels, in that every element matters 
every element has a cost. Um, and every element, every image you show, every line of dialogue is affecting your rhythm and your tone and your pacing and your feeling and the genre. And um, where, where, you know, in, in a novel, you can, you can dip in and out of people's thoughts. You can come in and out of, uh, of, um, of, of so many different kinds of writing. Whereas in, in our art forms, we are, we are in an interesting way limited to the things that people can do and the things that we can see and say. Right. And well, it's obviously both very dialogue driven. Um, and I think comics have become more cinematic in that sense. Um, you know, the comics we read as kids, everybody had a thought balloon. So you were privy to everybody's thoughts. You know, you were privy to Superman's thoughts as well as Lois Lane's, as well as Perry White's. You sort of, you know, if the writer chose to go in that direction, you knew what everybody was thinking. There were, you know, you could get every point of view at all times. I had not even thought of thought bubbles. And of course, that's really interesting. It makes it so much more of a hybrid between what you could do in a novel and what you can do in screenwriting. Yeah, it's, it, in a lot of ways, comics gives you a bigger toolbox than a lot of other mediums. Um, because, you know, it's sort of pop and kitschy and you can, you can get away with a lot of stuff. There's more structure now than, you know, 30 years ago when, um, or 40 years ago when it was just, you know, superheroes and, uh, bam and pow. Um, that's a, and you can still do that. Certainly it's a little less common now that comics have sort of grown up to a certain extent and, and have become a little bit more like film. They've become a little more, more cinematic in that we usually, um, we usually have stuff written either from an omniscient point of view where you're just conveying uh, the action through the dialogue or you're, um, you've picked a POV character and you're telling this story from, you know, you're telling this Batman story from Alfred's point of view. Uh, you're in Alfred's head as Batman does what he does. Uh, so um, we've, you know, in a sense, the medium has grown up a little bit uh, in, in the way we tell the stories. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't go back to old school, you know, sort of 1950 storytelling and have everybody's, you know, have everybody with a thought balloon over their head. Um, sometimes what's old is new again. Uh, and, and, you know, I think one of the things that, that comics allows you to do that a film doesn't is to get all those different points of view. Um, that maybe the you know the most we can we can get in a film these days is you know the character narration from one perspective. Um, you can get you can get Deckard's perspective in Blade Runner um, with if you're watching the you know the director's cut with the VO narration. Um, if Blade Blade Runner actually was adapted into comics, um, but if you if you wanted to, you could adapt Blade Runner into comics and have it told from three or four different points of view, depending on how you wanted to arrange your pages, whose head you were in at the time. Um, it gives you a little, comics give you a little bit more latitude uh, to work within that structure. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, and anytime there's a rule, I'm just thinking of the tree of life, right? Which totally breaks that rule in, in film where suddenly you are in this omniscient point of view and you are in everybody's heads and you're hearing all the, the thoughts that, that, that they're saying. You know, and it, it, it is interesting to push up against the, those rules, but, but I had not actually thought of that, how, um, 
you know, in my world, it's all about externalizing the internal, right? I'm always trying to do as little as possible with voiceover and as much as possible with action, as little as possible with dialogue, as much as possible with action. And there is something interesting in comics in having that, that ability um, in a subtle way, you know, where if I drop a voiceover into my script, that's a huge deal. Um, and it's that, a choice that you can't go back from in a lot of ways. Yes. Like once you commit to that, you got to carry that forward. Exactly. Exactly. You've got to, it's got to become a thread and then there has to be a structure to it. And then there's, you know, there's a, a, a whole rabbit hole that, that you go down there. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting. And I love that you're talking about this because, you know, often people who don't know a lot about comics might think about comics as, you know, very arch, you know, uh, as you know, it's good guys and bad guys, and um, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting that's happening in, in comics, at least today, is the complexity of character, right? And the 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 nuance of of character that that this is not just purely a, you know a visual spectacle medium anymore. This is also a, a, a this is a storytelling medium. Yeah, well, it's I think when you say comics. Previous to you know the last five years, maybe everybody immediately thought superheroes, and and to a certain extent, look the you know the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know it's the biggest movie franchise ever. Um, people still comics. Oh, you mean Captain America and Spider Man and all that? Yeah, sure. That's that's a huge, still a huge part of comics. But we are um, we as an industry uh, are telling all sorts of stories now in comics because we've cultivated the audience, we've cultivated the readership enough that you can tell any kind of story now. Um, there's There will be an audience for it and it might not be the audience that goes to the comic store every Wednesday because by and large, they still want their superheroes and science fiction and horror. But um, that's, you know, you can tell any story and you should tell any story, you know, biography, true crime, uh, whatever whatever story you can tell in a film or a novel, you can tell in a comic. Um, you might tell that story a little differently uh, because you are working in a visual medium, but um, certainly uh, any story that's appropriate in, in film, in TV, in novels, um, in a podcast even, is totally appropriate to a, to a comic. Um, and there's an audience for it. People are, you know, people are starting to understand that comic doesn't just mean Superman fighting Lex Luthor. Yeah. You know, there are two areas that I think for screenwriters, uh, learning comics is incredibly valuable. Um, and uh, the two areas, the first is as a training ground. Um, you know, there's this, always this thought like a short film, that's easier than a feature film, or I'll just write a pilot, that's easier than a, than a, than a feature or a mini. And the truth is the, the longer your script is, the easier it is um, because you have so much flexibility, because you have so much time, you have so many pages. Um, whereas the shorter your piece is, the more, the more challenging it becomes because as you were talking about, Ron, every image becomes so damn important and and every image needs to be worth the space it's printed on right uh or worth the space it's shot on and so one of the places that i think uh comics are incredibly valuable is 
as a place for screenwriters to actually hone their craft. It's like swinging with the heavy bat in a way to, to say, can I do an entire arc in just these trailer moment images, right? In just these images that are worthy of sending to an artist that are worthy of being a framed art piece in somebody's home. Um, how do I tell my story with that kind of efficiency? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, a, a 20 page comic is not a lot of space. A six or eight page short story is a lot less. Um, I, uh, you know, I was, I was working on a, I was working on an eight page story for, uh, the Green Lantern 80th anniversary book that just came out a couple weeks ago. And I, I really found that, uh, an eight page story is just miles less than a 10 page story. Uh, it's the difference between eight pages and 10 pages, a lot more than two pages. Um, it was, it was a revelation, you know, for me even, and I've been doing this a long time, but, um, there are certain rhythms that you, you know, that you have to adhere to in comics and the less space you have, the better you have to be at it. You know, the, the more succinct you have to be and the, you can't sprawl, you can't, um, you can't talk around your subject for a few pages until you finally get to it. I mean, that's, that's a nice, um, that's a nice uh, aspect to have, but the shorter your work, the less opportunity you have to do that. And um, that's why I think in the past, a lot of, you know, people who broke into comics broke in at Marvel and DC doing six page stories, even four page stories as backups because that trained you to do the job. If you could do a four or six page story, you could definitely do a 20 or 22 page story. Um, the, the, the amount of uh, polishing you have to do on that particular four or six page gem is a lot more than you would have to do in a longer piece. So that's interesting because that sounds like a, a real opportunity for people looking to break into comics um, is, is actually the focus shouldn't be on a, on a longer piece. The focus should actually be on a short piece. Yeah. Um, ultimately, look, it's, it's much harder to break into comics as a writer than it is an artist. That's simply the way of the world. Uh, an artist can show an editor, publisher, here's my work. And within two or three minutes, they know whether that you're of that caliber that they would want to possibly work with you. It's a lot more dubious to do that as a writer. Um, the best way to do that as a writer is to show off your comic story um, because editors don't have time to read your script, but they might have time to read a six or eight page story. Um, so it's, it's all about learning by doing you, you produce a script, get someone to draw it and then have that be your calling card. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a tough go. Uh, but the better, the better impact your short story makes on the person reading it, the, the more notice you're going to get. Um, nobody has time to read your, uh, your outline for a 48 issue, you know, outer space saga. That's never going to, that's never going to happen. Um, you know, when you're 10 years into your career, you might pitch that. But as far as being on the front end of your career, short, succinct, something you can hand to someone who's already in the business and get real feedback and show off what you can do. Because again, if you can, if you can convey your point in six pages, um, 
the people that you're showing it to understand that you can probably do the job at 20 pages. Yeah, that that's such a uh, valuable piece of advice. Um, and it, it also kind of dovetails with the, the second reason why I think comic book writing is so valuable for screenwriters and why I'm so excited to have you at our school is, you know, the Hollywood world, especially if you're if you're into the big budget world. Um, but even we're seeing it drift into the independent film world now. It's, it's a very IP-based industry right now, right? Everyone is looking for intellectual property. In fact, I was just talking to an agent at a major agency who said, you know, when, a, when one of my clients finishes a script, what I have them do is I have them write a short story. And then I go out and I sell the short story, and then I get him paid to write the script that he's already written. Um, and, I, and I asked him, is that what everybody's doing now? And he said, no, no, no. He's like, that's just me. <laughs> he's like, but, but, but he's like, but that's, that's where the industry is going, where there's this desire for IP, uh, for intellectual property. Um, and as you know, there is a tremendous demand in the comic book world. There's, because, because there's money in them hells, um, that, uh, it's a really powerful document to be able to go in instead of with a long treatment, you know, to go into a, uh, a pitch meeting um, with a six page uh, bang. This is the story, but this is also what the story looks like. This is what the story feels like. It's, it's pre-visualization. Um, and you, look, you never want to go into this using the comic as, a, as merely a stepping stone to pitch your screenplay. Um, you should do the comic to do the comic. You know, it's, it's um, the, the business sniffs out stuff that's, that's a movie pitch dressed up as a comic yeah. real quickly. Um, but if you're pursuing, if you want to take your story and do it as a comic and make it, um, make it the best comic you can make it because you're adhering to what we do in this business, um, then you come out of it with, uh, you know, with your calling card, um, because, because honestly, the same as pitching your your stuff to an editor or a publisher in comics, is the same as you know uh, doing a pitch meeting. Uh, if you can have your comic as a leave behind, uh, it's a great calling card. It's it's all of the it's all of the imagination work put on the page. You're not asking someone to read a screenplay and then imagine what it looks like, what it feels like. You're giving them the tools to, uh, to run with that already. And I, I really like what you said there. Um, you know, uh, I've worked a lot in adaptation, ad adapting true stories, adapting novels, uh, you know, adapting short stories. And, you know, it's, it's valuable to recognize that these are different art forms. Um, just like TV and film are different art forms, you know, and uh, and and I, I really liked what you said. You know, don't just dress up your pitch as a as a comic. Actually, make translate your piece into like what does this look like as a comic? And I'm curious when when you're making. You know, I, I know a lot about TV writing and not a lot about comic writing. Uh, but when you are making a, a a short story, like if I was making a TV pilot, I would be thinking about engine, right? I would be thinking when a person reads this pilot, if it's a six-page pilot, it's probably a web series pilot, right? If a person reads this six-page web series pilot, can they pitch themselves what the future of the series would look like? Um, does the, the piece have legs to run that 
like that. When you're working on a short story for a for a comic, do you think of it as a standalone entity? Do you think of it as something that has the engine to be a comic book series or a uh, or a graphic novel? Like, how do you think about engine when it comes to comic books? I, I think it all depends on on that specific IP, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, sometimes your short story is a short story, and that's it. You know, and it's, it's, that's the life that it has. That's the life that it needs. But sometimes it's the first chapter of a much bigger story. And I think a lot of times you don't know, you don't know that until you, until you finish it. Like you don't, you don't, you can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes you're in the midst of it. You don't really know where it's going to go. Um, so I, I always feel like you, you know, you tell the best story you can tell, uh, and you step away from it for a few days and come back to it and say, what do I have here? Yeah. Um, and sometimes, sometimes what you have is far different from what you thought you had. Um, I've certainly done that on, on issues where you, you know, like I, you sit down and you write the pages and then you come back to it in a day or two and you realize that, you know, at page 10, you went that way and the story really wants to go that way. Um, so, um, that's a and to me that's a that's a wonderful moment is when you realize that the story is telling you where it wants to go and sometimes you realize that when you're in the midst of it sometimes you need a little bit of distance from it um but i think you trust those moments and you you trust where it leads you um so the it's a different answer for different um different contexts um yeah. and it's also you know again comics are so structured in terms of page counts and how much you can fit on, on a particular page in that page count. Um, those things tend to work themselves out in the process. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to sound, you know, too esoteric, but you know, sometimes the universe tells you where to go and yeah. you just follow it. And to me, those are the, those are the best, uh, those are the best stories uh, where you just hang on for dear life. Um, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the work is work, uh, and you, you know, you forge through it, but sometimes it just, it just flows out of you and, and you don't, I mean, I've, I've written, you know, 20 or 22 page issues in a day just because it wouldn't stop. Um, yeah. just, you know, you, you're just sort of a passenger at that point. And man, when that happens, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah. Somebody, somebody else is doing your work for you. I, I really love what you're saying, and I want to kind of drill deeper here um, because there are these two parts, right? I, I always think of them as like the art and the craft of writing. Um, and at the beginning of the conversation, we were talking a lot about craft, right? We're talking about like, you only got six images on this page. You only got four images on this page. You only have six pages, right? We were talking about the craft. Every image has to matter. No, no, this has, image has to be has to move the story forward. It has to be visually cinematic. It has to write all the, these things that we do with craft. And I think what's interesting, and it's one of the reasons I'm excited to be working with you, is as a writer, you need to be able to balance these two parts, this, this very intense, hey, I'm paid to think about this and figure this out, intellectual process, with this kind of magical, esoteric, intuitive subconscious process 
of going inside and connecting to something that wants to come out of you and allowing the story to kind of tell you where to go. And, and I'm curious about how do you balance that in yourself? You know, when you know you need that one image and you're getting a monologue, what do you do with that? And how do you, how do you find that balance? If I told you I knew that answer, I would be lying. Uh, um, I don't know. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years and that's, that's the real balancing act is um, I think you, you ultimately, part of this is developing your instincts so that you know which voice to listen to. Um, and and some, some, look, sometimes you don't. Sometimes your story has to be handed off to the editor who is looking at it from an outside perspective and the editor goes, oh, I see, here's, here's something we need to, to work on. Here's something we need to, here's, here's, here's a fix, right? And you go, why didn't I think of that? Um, so uh, look, it's all certainly part of the process. Um, you, you balance, you, you try to balance your structure with your, um, with your imagination, I guess. Uh, uh, but if I'm gonna err on one side or the other, if there's a flight of fancy that's leading me somewhere, I'll go with it. And sometimes you get to, you know, you get to the end of that, you get to the end of that rabbit trail and it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you have to, I think one of the, one of the instincts you do develop is, is when that happens, when you go somewhere and um, it doesn't lead where you think it's going to lead, or it doesn't lead to someplace that um, that's fruitful you have to be able to cut it. You have to be able to just um, move on, say, okay, that was a, that was a wasted day and be okay with that. Um, yeah. I was talking to a writer over the weekend who had a, a very specific image to work into the first three pages of an issue. And in kicking the story back and forth, we realized that was a really cool image, but it didn't fit with the rest of, the story. It didn't fit with what needed to be conveyed in those first three pages. So it ultimately had to go. I mean, you do, like any other writing, you do have to kill your darlings in this business. Um, the, the, the important part is to know which darlings to kill. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, often I, in my uh, Write Your Screenplay class, I often start with an exercise I call the bad screenplay exercise. And, you know, we, we write a scene that we purposely try to make bad, right? Where we put a list on the board of every bad thing you could ever do as a screenwriter. And we always try to make those exercises uh, to, to make, write a bad scene. And one of the things that you'll often see when you do that is that, you know, I, I'll ask the student, you know, who wrote the worst scene in the class? And a student will raise their hand and their scene invariably is brilliant. And um, it's such a, a powerful illustration because it shows you that until you kind of develop that instinct, right? And until you develop your craft to a place where you can see that, that, you know, that diamond before it looks like a diamond and recognize what it can become, um, that a lot of new writers are likely to throw out their best stuff and, and on the conversely, to keep their worst stuff, right? To keep the stuff that's most derivative and most like other things that are out there um, in the market. Um, and, and so a big part of it is just building that confidence as a writer 
and and that 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 nuance of your craft to go you know what that doesn't look like anything right now but it's going to look beautiful or that looked awesome but it's fool's gold yeah that's a huge part of the process is is having having the confidence to understand that you're good at this um and i you know my my first job when i was still in college was as a was as a journalist was as a sports writer and then a uh, entertainment writer and editor. So a, a, again, a different kind of writing, but there's still, there are still a great many similarities to journalism, which is taking a finite of it, amount of information and putting it into a finite space. Comics is much the same, right? Completely different sort of material and context, but there's still structure that you're dealing with. Um, so very early on, like I was you know, 18, 19 year old kid, I got to be relatively confident in my writing because I was doing it every day. It was printed in the newspaper every day. Um, and I learned very early on that not everybody was going to like it. Um, not everybody's opinion mattered. Um, so when I came to comics, I already had a lot of that armor already. Um, I already had a lot of that, that self-judgment and, and confidence in what I was doing to at least, to at least be confident enough to, follow my lead, like to, to, to trust myself enough to see where, see where my instincts were leading me and generally, you know, getting proven that, okay, I, I do know what I'm doing. So I think part of, um, part of learning to do this is learning to be confident in your choices um, because comic writing is, you know, choice after choice after choice. Every panel is a choice. Um, you want to be able to make the right best choice every time. You don't always, um, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. Yeah. One of my uh, great mentors was a guy named Joe Blaustein, who's a visual artist in California. And um, Joe wouldn't let us paint on, um, on canvas. He said, if, if you try to paint on canvas, you're going to get precious with it and you're going to start to try to be an artist. And his, he would insist that we painted on paper. And what he said about that, he said, you should feel like you could throw it away. Uh, that you want to be creating so much volume, you want to be doing so much painting, that no individual painting is that precious. So that if you have a bad painting day and nothing comes out, well, you could throw it away. And if you had a brilliant painting day, but it's not fitting with what you're trying to do, you could throw it away. And it's such a big journey for writers to, to kind of get to that place. You know, you're a great writer, you know, people obviously admire you and want to write like you. And getting to that point where you realize, you know, um, I just just need to show up and keep writing, and keep writing, and keep writing, and get some guidance so I can start to learn what's beautiful. And that Ron Mars writes badly just as much as you do. He's just really good at finding the beauty inside the badness. Uh, permission to fail is important. Um, and, and as I said earlier, like you learn by doing. There's, there's ultimately no better way to learn to make comics than to make comics. Um, and your first one's going to suck. And your second one's going to suck a little less. And your third one's going to suck a little less. And eventually you, you step back and go, oh, I'm pretty good at this. You know, like I know, I, I, I know what I'm doing. And I think... Um, I think that permission to fail is hugely important 
because you learn, I think, you learn more from your failures than you do your successes. I know that that's true for me. Uh, so I want to thank you for your time. But before we wrap up, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the class that you're going to be teaching with us. So, um, so in, a, in an interesting way, I mean, I've done workshops and I've done sort of, you know, library talks and, and you do the, you know, you do this kind of thing in a, in a very truncated fashion on convention panels and stuff like that. But this will really be my first time sort of in a more formal setting, although believe me with with me teaching it's going to be pretty casual um uh in a more formal setting to sort of figure out how i do what i do um it's it's been interesting for me to have to step back from my process and figure out exactly what that process is because you know you, you've been doing it long enough that it becomes second nature and you don't think about it um so yeah. this has forced me to think about it and to realize oh i you know I do things instinctually, but here's why I do them. And mm -hmm. here's what I've learned. Um, and it's, it's, it's forced me to sort of formalize a lot of those lessons. So what we're going to do, uh, class is four weeks. Um, and what we're going to do in the class is everybody in the class is going to be ultimately writing a six page story. And it can, that six page story, um, will be, um, appropriate to that length, but just appropriate because I want to make sure that everybody's packing as much information to that six page story as possible. Um, so we will learn the, um, we will learn the format, we will learn the hows and whys, we will learn the visual language. Um, but ultimately the product of what we're going to do is by the end of, of that last class, everybody's going to walk away with a six page story that is ready to be professionally drawn and be your calling card if you want to if you want to pursue this um it's uh we're gonna everybody's gonna everybody's gonna show up with a lump of coal and we're gonna polish it into a diamond after four weeks i love it i love it i'm so excited for you to join and uh one thing that's also really interesting on the other side of that for people who are really ready to kind of take the next step in their careers, we're going to be offering ProTrack with Ron, where you can meet with him one-on-one -on -one and develop your comic books with him one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and we're also going to be, um, by application, uh, offering a workshop class with Ron, uh, where we're going to take eight emerging comic book writers and put you guys in a room together over the course of uh, a year or more. and everyone be working on their, their comic books together. And so this is really the beginning of, of a whole department at, the, uh, at, at Jacob Kruger Studio about really trying to serve the comic book community and, and our screenwriting community as well. And Ron, we are so delighted for you to be a part of it. So thank you so much for your time. I'm excited. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that this business um, revolves around is trying to um, trying to pass on what you know to the next generation. Um, that was certainly done for me, and I've tried to do that with other writers, and now we have a more uh, structured way to do that. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, um, hopefully, we'll, you know, we'll grow some next generation writers here. Beautiful. So comic book writing starts July 15th, and you can find that at writeyourscreenplay.com. And thank you, Ron, and we'll be seeing you soon. Sounds great, Jake. Thanks. If you've been struggling to get your writing going again during the crisis, I would like to make you aware of a couple of things we've got going on for our students. 
The first is we have a free Quarantini's happy hour of writing lessons and exercises and community every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. It's hosted by me and I bring a special guest each week and it's a really fabulous community. You can come for free. If you can afford to make a donation, we'll match it and apply it to our scholarship fund. If you can't, just bring yourself and your creativity. The second thing that we're doing is that for every full price class that's sold during this period, we're giving away two 50% off scholarships to allow people who've been affected by the crisis to come and study with us at 50% off. So if you've been affected by the crisis, you can check on our website, writeyourscreenplay.com scholarship, and we'll let you know if we have scholarships available and you can self-identify and you'll get a scholarship instantly if you need to take a class. And if you're able to afford a class, you can know that your money is not only going to help you pursue your passions, but also to help other people pursue theirs. And you can find more information about both of these on my website, uh, writeyourscreenplay.com slash quarantinis for the free event and writeyourscreenplay.com slash scholarship for the scholarships.